you're familiar with how we kind of do things here, you're aware of the fact that we normally go through a book of the Bible, verse by verse, <clears throat> chapter by chapter. But typically, over the summer, summer, the summer season, what we do is we normally have a break from our regular teaching schedule and we'll have kind of topical messages and it's been a blessing just want to thank the guys who have been kind of stepping in for especially myself pastor Ewa we've not been around and <clears throat> just been sharing God's word with us and it's a blessing because we've seen you know even, even as we we talked um, a little while ago about Mark and his involvement we've seen how many you know what I'm saying have had opportunity where in some churches the, the pulpit is kind of protected in a good sense but sometimes overprotected and others are not really given opportunity to grow and develop and and by God's grace it's either been crazy that we do that or it's been a blessing I would I would like to think it's been a blessing um and and and, and I mentioned that to say that we're going to be starting a new book in two weeks time I'm um, hopefully going to have one more one more topical message next week and and as, and again as, as I mentioned the following week we'll be starting a new book in our run up to Christmas and that'll take us all the way up to Christmas. So t- today's topical message, um, with all this being going on, uh, I've gone with um, gratitude for God's good and growing work. Gratitude for God's good and growing work. And um, we're going to be looking at Philippians, just a few verses in Philippians. Um, chapter 1 verse 3 to 6 <clears throat> now obviously for the benefit of the recording because whoever's listening now whether it's mp3 on the internet they weren't privy to what just happened like 10 minutes ago you know i'm saying when we had opportunity to to pray for mark and tabitha as they get him ready to go on to do just be involved in a new work um <clears throat> but how many of you know as a church we are going through major times of transition i was even going to put that in as a subheading and saying times of transition some are finishing studies right because it was that season got your all you got you got your exam results back and you know i'm saying some of you are really encouraged some of you are a bit discouraged because maybe you didn't get the results that you wanted and the big question is now what transition some people are starting new jobs, including myself and Pastor E. So some of you may or may not know that, that I'm going to be going full-time with London City Mission, which means I'm going to be less available here at, at Ecclesia, but still here functioning as one of the elders. Um, but then Pastor E, things are changing for him because he's taking on the full-time paid position. Ooh. It's big things for us, like Mark said. It's like, you know what I mean? <clears throat> and he's going to be able to be here functioning as a full-time, as a full-time elder. We're still going to have a, a plurality of eldership, you know what I'm saying? And, um, but he's going to be able to give himself much more to what goes on here. And that's going to be a real blessing. So new jobs, new relationships. Um, we talked a bit about relationships a couple of weeks ago. Um, new relationships that are now old relationships that have now become married relationships and hey things have changed for so many of you not least of all having babies like oh my goodness we're talking about this every 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 way you look it's new babies you know what i'm saying i can't even keep up i don't know who's who and you know the thing is with babies they change every minute like one week they look this way and next week they look up i can't keep up you know what I mean? And it's a blessing. And, and not only have we got growing new families, as Rich walks through the door, you know what I'm saying? But we've also, we've got older families with children that are leaving the nest. But like, just a couple of weeks ago, um, we had Bertram and Missy, their big boy, you know what I'm saying? Was a gone to America. Big thing, massive transition. You know what I mean? Um, Uncle Neil and Auntie Millie, you know, Ruben, their big boy, gone to Austria doing SOS, and also Diane's daughter, I'm Michaela as well. And so we've got kids coming into the family, being born brand new, and then we've got individuals that are leaving families. We've got new initiatives coming up. I mean, you just, just the announcement that Jason made, right? Oh my gosh, back-to-back new stuff going on, and not least of all, TLG. 
know what I'm saying? That independent school that's starting this month. We, we, we kept on talking about it starting at some point. It's September. Can you believe it's September? 2016 already. And that's a new initiative, groundbreaking for us. Oh, as it, even as I was driving around here, I thought, everything's changing. I got to the roundabout at Lewisham and I thought, what? I thought, what? Because I've been away for weeks, isn't it? Everything is changing. Um, <clears throat> um, we've got people who are moving um, to new and very different places, literally moving house, some people, you know what I'm saying? Um, even, even moving church. And I think about, as we mentioned, I think, I think about Sammy and Abby back in the day. Remember? Will and Calpurnia. Think about Pastor Patrick and, 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 and Sarah. Two years now, you know, that's been, wow. Talk about, think about Dean and Selena. This morning, Mark and Sarah, what you said, bro? Big, 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 big you not seen Dean? Oh. All right, let me not get sidetracked, yeah? Um, and, and you know, he's, if, wow, he's big in terms of being brolic and hench, you know what I'm saying? Married life, innit? It's the blessing of married life. Um, big up, big up, Selena. Um, so Mark and Tabs, and also like next week, I'm not going to be here next week um, because I'm going to take Jordan's moving in Manchester, moving house. So I'm taking him to Manchester next week to move in. But next week, Brent and Temi are going to be leaving. It feels to me like a good time to look back with gratitude and then toward. I suppose the future with reference to healthy anticipation with regards to God's good and growing work. Amen. So we're going to look back and also look to the future. Now, hopefully you're in Philippians chapter one with me. And we're going to read from verse three to six. Reading from the ESV. It says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine for you all making my prayer with joy. And that because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Shall we pray? Father, thank you for your incredibly good work when you made the world on the six days of creation you said everything was it was good it was good it was good and then you made man the pinnacle of your creation and you said hmm it's like you stood back and said ah it is very good and yet lord we know that because of sin stuff got messed up but we're grateful that you put a plan in place that was going to bring not just restoration, but a recreation of all things. And um, thank you, Lord, that we are, uh, we, we are at present in the middle, in the midst of you bringing about an even better work. And that fundamentally through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. And Lord, as we reflect today um, and look to the future, I just pray that, Lord God, that our hearts would be filled with joy and gratitude as Lord we continue to behold um, you fulfilling your perfect purpose in your perfect way in and through our lives for Jesus sake Amen, Amen. So Philippians <clears throat> Philippians is a very informal letter like so many of Paul's letters you read them they're real hardcore they even start off hardcore but this letter's got a different tone. There's a very deep and mutual love between Paul and this church in Philippi that he's writing to. Because remember, these are letters, right? These epistles. And there's no need for Paul to assert his apostolic authority and defend himself. Because there's really no haters here at Philippi. I mean, there's a couple of little issues, you know what I'm saying, in terms of a couple of Judaizers. But nothing major like... You know what I'm saying? Like Ephesians, you know what I'm saying? Um, or issues at Corinth. And, <clears throat> and Paul, he's, 
it's funny because he's even enjoyed financial contributions from this church. And if you know anything about Paul, you know that that's quite unusual in contrast to someone like Corinth where he worked for a living, even though it was really hard, you know what I'm saying? But here in, with Philippi, he receives offerings financial from this church. He's got a great relationship with this church. <coughs> and, and no doubt... This was the first place in, in Europe in which Paul actually preached the gospel. <clears throat> it was actually on his second missionary journey. He comes, to, he comes to Philippi. And it was in response, if you remember, to a vision that he'd had, um, where a man in this dream-type vision begged him in the dream to come to Macedonia, um, which, is in, which is pretty much northern Greece. And... And he, and, and he sees this as, as, as God's calling, God speaking to him. And literally, where they were in Turkey, if you know the map, which is quite, it's like north, you go north of Israel, you come up to like what they call Asia Minor, which, was, which is modern day Turkey. Many of the churches he planted was there. And that's where he was. But he gets his call and he goes all the way west, now over to Europe. And when he arrives at Philippi, there's no synagogue there. Um, and again, this is one of the distinctions between Philippi and many of the other places that he planted churches. There's no synagogue filled with antagonistic Jewish men, you know what I'm saying, are going to immediately have a go at him. Just a few godly women, God, a few godly women he meets on the beach, and, um, and they're, they're praying. And it's here in that small community group of ladies he meets who? A lady whose name begins with L. That actually reminds me a lot of Tabitha. You know what I'm saying? Lydia, she was a businesswoman. And um, based on what Mark said, I can't say she's like Tabitha in terms of she's a rich, like Tabitha's a rich businesswoman based on what Mark said anyway. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But Lydia was very, very rich. She was exceptionally rich. And obviously you can see here that I've kind of um, depicted her in modern, in modern terms. But very, very, um, like Proverbs 31 type, you know what I'm saying? An A-type woman that gets the job done, you know what I'm saying? Is very, very gifted and, and, and amazingly equipped. I mean, I like so many ladies, even as I look around, who are here. So that's Lydia, and she's amongst this small group. But then also, Paul meets in um, Philippi. He meets this slave girl. And you remember the slave girl was kind of following him around and saying, these men are the servants of the Most High God who show us the way of salvation. And he's... and, and <laughs> I, I, would have, I would have encouraged her to join the evangelistic team. You know what I'm saying? Paul rebukes her. And, or rebukes the demon that's in her. Hey, you know what I'm saying? And, um, and she gets set free. We can't say that she got saved because the text doesn't say that. But she's definitely set free of this demon. Do you know what I'm saying? And... And then also, who was the next person that, that Paul met in Philippi? Anybody remember? A jailer. A jailer. That's, that's why we call him the Philippian jailer, if, if you guys are familiar with Acts 16. I suspect most of you are not, because no one ever responded. Um, and it's a place where Paul and Silas were imprisoned, if you remember. And, and so you've got, in this church, right, this mixed bag of individuals I mean all in one chapter this stuff happened back to back in Acts chapter 16 and <clears throat> you got this you got this woman um, who Lydia who is who is is from Thyatira you got this individual um, this, this 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 slave girl who's from from Macedonia and um, and then you've got this other brother who's Italian right because he's Roman you know what I mean probably an ex-centurion who's looking after the prison. And these individuals probably were the beginning of this very church that Paul is writing this letter to. It's beautiful, isn't it? And a mixed Gentile church. And I mean, it's, it's much that can be said about that. Um, this is also what they call a prison epistle. Um, so it's one of the letters that Paul wrote whilst in prison. And... Um, I have to highlight, although it doesn't make it as dramatic, but I have to highlight it by saying that he wasn't, he wasn't imprisoned in the sense that he was imprisoned in Acts 16. We're going to look at it in a minute, where he's chained and in stocks, and it, weren't that, it wasn't like in solitary confinement, like in a dungeon. Um, he was actually, when he wrote this letter to the Philippians, he was under house arrest. 
So he was, you know what I'm saying, he had a little bit of freedom, albeit in his house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because he, he was there under, under Roman guard. Um, and, and it's funny because he was incarcerated nonetheless, right? And although Paul is in prison, this letter is warm, it's kind, it's considerate, and it's upbeat. The term joy is mentioned in this very small letter 16 times. Paul is obviously enjoying a peace and a hope beyond his current circumstances. And I think it's clear why. There are 104 verses in this small letter, in this small book. Jesus is named 51 times in 104 verses. It's obvious who is central in Paul's heart in his mind and his theology, hence granting him, granting him great peace and hope. Now Paul's love for these believers in Philippi was very evident. In Philippians 2, um, verse 19 to 24, it say, he says, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. You know what I'm saying? You hear his love and his endearment. For I have no one like him, Timothy, who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He cares about them. They all seek, that's the others, their own interests, not those, the interests of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how he, as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. And it's funny because I was going to mention it and then I took it out on my notes, but then Mark mentioned it. And I must admit, our relationship has really been very... Um, special over the years and um he said i've been like a paul in his life he's been like a timothy i would say you're right in one sense um because if you know mark mark he, he literally did it on the stage mark he doesn't see his own ability you know god's gift in him and not that he um rejects that and he rubbishes that but you know it's, he, he's a brother like timothy you know what i'm saying who kind of struggles um with his own worth you know what I'm saying? And um, so in one sense, I would agree, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and not to say that I'm any henchman like Paul, you know what I mean? I'm not trying to say that. But at the same time, I would say that me and Mark have been like brothers. And, there's, and there has been this, you know what I'm saying, Moses to Joshua, Paul to Timothy type relationship. But there's also been, like the disciples, how I many of you know the disciples, maybe they had a couple years on each other, but they were all peers. And Peter's telling off James and James is wondering why Guan and how comes this and that and you know what I'm saying and it, it's, it's been I, I would say it's probably been more like that for me with Mark in that you know what I'm saying he's been a he's been a good friend to me he's been a good brother to me you know what I mean and you know what I mean I would be lying if I said I'm not going to miss him you know what I mean um but at the same time praise the Lord you know I'm working at LCM he's going to be working at LCM so we're going to still be able to spend time together and who knows, our relationship may even may get even better, you know what I mean? And we may even spend more time together as time goes by. Um, where am I? Philippians 1, again, communicating this, this um, endearment. He says, it is right for me to feel this way about you all. How or why? Because I hold you in my heart. For you all are partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, for God is my witness, how I yearn for you all with the affection of Christ Jesus. Can you hear that? This amazing mutual, and there's more, but we don't have time. And what we're going to see is Paul now, in verse 1 and 2, clarifies his fundamental status in these first two verses of this book, first two verses of this chapter. So, um, so Philippians 1, um, verse 1 and 2, Paul and Timothy, notice how he refers to himself as a servant. Doesn't come in as a big apostle, this, that, and the other. Not in this letter. Servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul sees himself as nothing more than a servant to the church, but ultimately to Jesus. And this letter is not just to the prominent leaders, notice, but to everyone. And the, the portion that I've selected, verse, verses 3 to 6, can be split into two simple points.
Number one is gratitude for God's good work, verse 3 to 5. And then the second part, verse 6, is the future development of God's good work. So, first of all, gratitude for God's good work. Gratitude for God's good work. Look at verse 3 and 4 with me. Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. Hmm. Now, I remember before kind of studying this and looking at this in any kind of deep detail, right? I used to think that this was saying that, that Paul always prayed for this church, like nonstop. And every time I used to, I'd always, I'd always feel quite deflated when I read it because I thought, I'm not like that. I don't pray for the church. even my, like, he's, This ain't even his, quote unquote, the church that he attends, right? Because he's from Antioch. I'm like, Lord, I don't even pray for my own church like that nonstop. And I used to feel quite deflated, you know what I'm saying? But if you look at it in a bit more detail, and I think it's helpful to look at it in another translation. Um, here's, the, here's the NIV version of the, those verses. He says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always praying in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. I felt like that was a little bit clearer. And I'm saying in the sense that he wasn't saying that he always prays for them, but that when he remembered them, he would pray. Whenever they came to mind, he'd pray. And when he remembered them, his prayer would be a prayer of gratitude. Thanking God for them. And and when he remembered them, he would pray. His prayer was filled with praise. And he did it with joy. Hopefully, we have prayers that are like that. That start off by just remembering someone. And as soon as you remember them, as soon as they come to mind, it leads immediately to prayer and praise. How many of you know they're both the same thing, prayer and praise? Because they're both directed to God, right? It's just that. And not only prayer and praise as you think about this person or these people. I think about Mark and Tabitha. We think about Mark and Tabitha as they get in ready to leave hopefully post today when we remember them that's how we remember them amen and immediately like lord thank you for that family i praise you lord for your great work in them and through them and and that your prayer is accompanied with what with joy thank you to harry thank you with joy Getting back to our story, and remember that this man is incarcerated. He's in prison, and I'm saying, yet he's filled with joy. And it's not the first time I mentioned it earlier. Remember Acts 16. Here is Paul, I mean, really now in prison. You know what I mean? This ain't house arrest. This ain't them house. He ain't got no Xbox, you know what I'm saying? I got fridge in the corner, Sky TV. No, it's not like that here. You know what I'm saying? Here in Acts 16. Oops. Here in Acts 16, verse 22 to 26, verse 22 picks up from where Paul has cast out the demon out of this slave girl who's been earning money for her masters and they're not happy, right? They're not happy. You think that she's free, they'd be happy. No, they're not happy because their source of income has now been, been stunted. Verse 22, and it says, And a crowd joined in attacking them, that is Paul and Silas, and the magistrates tore the garments off them, and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had inflicted, so they're not just in prison, right? He says, and when they had inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Like this is solitary confinement, right? Right. First century style. About midnight, verse 25, Paul and Silas were arguing and complaining. They were like, how on earth could this be happening to us? The verse doesn't say that, does it? No, it doesn't. It should do. If it was, if it was I nearly said if it was me and Pastor E in that situation. <laughs> if it was me and Mark in that situation, it might be a bit of groaning and moaning and complaining, I confess, sadly. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing 
hymns to God. And notice, don't, don't miss the next part. And the prisoners were listening to them. Right, that's, that's a whole message in itself, isn't it? Verse 25. Verse 26. And suddenly there was a great earthquake. So that the fact, and I'm not surprised. Not only were the prisoners listening to them, I suspect God listens to prayer and praise. And I wonder if this is God's response, you know what I'm saying, to this inc- their, their incredible um, response to their difficult circumstances. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. Now that shows you that that was a miracle. It wasn't just a haphazard, okay. If there was an earthquake, everything would have tumbled down and mash up. But look what happens as a result. This is obviously an act of God. And here is Paul, you know what I'm saying, obviously, in this difficult situation, praying and singing. And here's me, like, losing my joy over a broken fingernail. I mean, hey, I couldn't think of another trivial thing to say. And for the ladies, are like, hey, that's not actually trivial. But that further proves my point, you know what I'm saying. Um, And it's no great wonder that that often we don't have a joy-filled prayer life, right? Um, because we don't respond to the difficulties that we're faced with in the way that we ought to. We're going to talk about that when we get to James in a couple of weeks' time. And, you know, talking about joy-filled prayer, that was actually the theme of um, our talks, our evening talks when we were in Austria last week. Was it last week? And, um, yeah... Uh, the, uh, my, like the week before we went to Austria, I was like, yeah, we're going to read a book by um, J.I. Packer, Knowing God. And like it was a week before I encouraged everyone to get the book. On the coach, I was like, how many people bought the book? Two, pe- two, people, bought, <laughs> two people bought the book. It was a good thing I had a contingency in it um, for my own slacky tidiness. And it was a thing where, because the, the Knowing God was too much to try and deal with. You, you haven't heard that word for a long time or you ain't heard that word before, right? And so I was like, let's maybe pick another book, a little book, <laughs> that we can actually work through and finish. You know what I mean? And so we did. And this little book is called Enjoy Your Prayer Life by Michael Reeves. And um, in the book, like the premise of the book, if you like, in the book he quotes Calvin. And a quote from Calvin is this, so, so striking, so powerful. He says, prayer is the chief exercise of faith and obviously for those of us who are away that probably means much more to us than it does to you looking at it the first time but hopefully it does have meaning you know what I'm saying it's like if you really say you've got faith prayer is one of the basic fundamental absolute bottom line things that will happen as a byproduct if you have genuine faith you know what I'm saying and we talked about that and if I've done a good job I have I think about another 25 copies left so if anybody would like a copy, um, unlike in Austria, I got myself in trouble. I was like, yeah, hey, everybody here, take a copy. And then I forgot that we got paid for them. <laughs> and then it was hard, but I did in the end. God gave me grace and courage to say on the coach as we were coming back. Hey, by the way, <laughs> um, you guys need to make a contribution. And, and so basically, I mean, it's not, it's not going to break the bank. Um, if you want one, could you contribute two pounds as you take one, you can, you can give the money to Karen, um, and um, that would really help to offset the cost of them, and it would really keep the finance committee off my back, because I went and bought them on the basis of church funds um, without really kind of putting it through them first. So help me. <laughs> buy, buy a couple of copies, amen. If you want to make a contribution above two pounds, hey, praise the Lord. Um, but you know what? This, this little book actually contributed to revolutionising my prayer life. And hopefully it will do the same for yours. So Paul and Silas, praying and singing in prison. What a great example. And here in Philippians 1, praying with joy for this church that he genuinely, deeply loves. And he doesn't just pray for the leaders, as I mentioned, but he prays for everyone. He says, you are all one, and, and I am always concerned for all of you. Now, this is helpful. Paul prays for everybody because everybody in this church was involved in ministry. 
Paul prays for everybody because everybody in this church in Philippi was involved in ministry. And hopefully, so are we. Don't you want to be remembered in prayer in this way? That anytime anybody prays, thinks about you, you particularly. Don't you want people who pray for you to think about you with joy? Paul prays for everybody because everybody in this church was involved in ministry. I want to be remembered as you, I want to be prayed for as you remember me, hopefully with joy. And one of the things that provides that joy on the behalf of the one who prays, right, is the involvement or the partnership of the individual that they pray for. Because of their involvement in the gospel. Now here's a question on the back of that. What gospel ministry am I a part of? What, gospel, what, what involvement, what partnership do you have in the gospel? What area of ministry are you involved in? And hopefully, this is, this is not to have a go at you because it could sound like that. But hopefully, the different answers that you give are going to be as, 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 as many as the people that are sitting in this room. And I'm saying in terms of your involvement. Hopefully everyone is serving in some capacity. And I'm saying whether it's your time, whether it's your talent, or whether it's your treasure. In some way, shape or form, everyone I would, I would suspect is contributing in some way, partnering in some way, large or small, in terms of the gospel. And if not, you should be. There are no spare parts in the body, amen? Listen to this song from a hundred years ago. It's really quite a simple song. And it was a, it's a blessing that it's simple. It's, it's, it's written by a lady called LCD Yale in 1912. She wrote, there's a work for Jesus ready at your hand. Tis a task the master just for you has planned. Haste to do his bidding, yield him service true. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. There's a work for Jesus, humble though it be. Tis the very service he would ask of thee. Go where fields are whitened and the laborers few. There's a work for Jesus none but you can do. Last verse. There's a work for Jesus precious souls to bring. Tell them of his mercies. Tell them of your king. Faint not nor grow weary. He will strength renew. There's a work for Jesus that none but you can do. And you know, your involvement, your involvement will contribute such a blessing to your own life, apart from those that you minister to, those that you serve in whatever capacity. Because how many of you know fellowship is a byproduct of involvement in ministry? Let me say that again. Fellowship is a byproduct of involvement in ministry. How many of you know this is a cure for those who are disconnected? Often when we're feeling disconnected, we're like over here and we're like, yo, how come no one don't call me? No one don't check for me. You know what I'm saying? No one don't wanna, no one, no one don't come and look for me. No one don't invite me around their house. No one That person obviously feels disconnected. But you know it's real easy to get connected. Once you take the focus off of yourself and put the focus on others, remember Jesus said it's better to Get, yeah, not get than give, you know. It's better to give than it is to receive. And it's true. And when you begin to, I'm going to quote my favorite proverb, one of them anyway. Proverbs 19.11 or is it 11.19? My favorite proverb and I can't remember where it is. He or she who waters will what? Will themselves be watered. You know what I mean? Fellowship is a byproduct of involvement in ministry.
And you know, we want to pray for each other with joy. And nothing provides that Nothing provides that more than us all serving Jesus in some way, whether it's large or small. Amen. Verse 3 says, Paul says, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy. Why? Verse 5. Because. Because of your partnership in the gospel. Can you see space for your involvement, my involvement, our participation, our partnership together in the gospel? It's a gospel partnership. And it's, and it's, and it's partnership in the gospel. It's a gospel partnership because, because it was started by the gospel. And here in Philippi, particularly through Paul's preaching... It's a gospel partnership because Paul's there preaching the gospel to them and it's the gospel that connects with them that saves them and brings them into now a partnership. Now, you, when you get saved, right, come on now. When you get saved and brought into partnership with Jesus, you become a co-laborer. And all we do is when we get saved is we go tell people the same message that we heard that brought us in to the gospel, which was the gospel. All we do is tell what we heard. You know what I'm saying? We're not all called to be evangelists. And I mean, because that's quite specific. Where's Mikey P, right? Mm -hmm. But we're all called to be witnesses. And all a witness does is, were you there on the night of such and such? Yes. What did you see? And they tell what they saw. You know what I'm saying? Were you there when you got saved? <laughs> but then you just tell people, you tell people about your experience. Amen? And be a witness to that. And in so doing, you become a partner in the gospel as well as serving others in all of the capacities that we we just mentioned <clears throat> and so it's a, it's a partnership that starts off with individuals being affected by the gospel but but then it's also a partnership that would see the gospel continue to be shared by those affected by it now i look around the room and i've seen some of you get saved you know, we, we actually baptised some of you um, and saw you affected by the gospel and now go on to serve in many different ways, right? Um, but then, apart from those of you that I've seen get saved, I know many of your testimonies. I know how the gospel affected you That means for some of you, I know the very, very first day it started. And if you look at the text, Paul says in verse 5, he says, because of your partnership in the gospel, that's why he's got joy and he prays for them in a way that he does. He says, from the first day until now. He reflects on their partnership, how they got started. I have the privilege of doing that with many of you. Do you know, with Lydia, it says in Acts 16... That God opened her heart, what did she then go on to do? It's an exactly it's a pop quiz. I never told you, hey, that I was gonna test you on Acts 16. <laughs> but it's in the Bible, right? The Bible says God opened Lydia's heart, and as a result, Lydia opened her home. Now everybody's not given to hospitality, but that was a part of the way that she served in her partnership with reference to the gospel. Now <clears throat> whether it's serving, whether it's teaching, whether it's preaching, whether it's leading, whether it's cooking or cleaning, or whether it's singing or ushering, Jesse. See, and, and, and that is true again of many of you. And again, I, I highlight, because it's a special weekend that we're saying goodbye to Mark and Tabs. Um, I mention them specifically because... God opened their heart, and trust me, they opened their home. If anybody knows, their house became like an extension campus of Calvary Chapel, South London. Every, I was going to say every striking week. Every week, these guys opened their house and had food going on there. How many of us enjoyed great fellowship and the blessing and the pleasure of being in their home? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? Many of us, 
and two categories of us. There are those of us that, and, and there are those of us that enjoyed that and don't open our homes. Straight, sorry, that's what it is. But there are some that now have gone on to be um, provided with the opportunity. Let me put it that. Because not everybody can open their house, right? Provided with the opportunity now to open their houses. And, and I swear down that a part of that was learned behavior from being in Mark and Tabitha's house in their environment. I see them bring man in off the street. Literally, in, 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 in Greenwich. We was out there, you thought that I wasn't talking literally. We was in Greenwich. Bro, what was the guy's name again? This guy, homeless brother. And where they're chatting and there's... Confession is good for the soul. Where they're sharing the gospel and I can share the gospel. You know what I mean? I'm happy to share the gospel and do it with clarity sometimes. You know what I mean? And I'm there sharing the gospel and, and in my mind I'm thinking, if this guy receives Christ, praise the Lord, it'd be a wonderful thing. You know what I mean? And I'm about to leave it right there. Mark's standing next to me. Mark's like, okay, if, have you got anywhere to live? You got anywhere to stay? Obviously the man's out on the street, isn't it? What kind of question is that? <laughs> he knows the answer to the question. And, I'm, and now I'm getting uncomfortable. Because I'm thinking, bro, like you're taking this to another unnecessary level. You know what I mean? And two twos, like, Mark's inviting the man around to his house. Where he stayed, bro, it was at least six months. If I'm not, I'm, not, I'm like Mark, I'm not good with dates and so on. I'm like, you guys are exceptional. I know obviously things change in the last few years for you having babies and and I'm saying you couldn't accommodate like you could, but you would. You know what I'm saying? And they even did continue to do so on, in a limited sense. And God opened your hearts and you opened your home, just like Lydia. And not just, you know what I'm saying, for casual fellowship, but Bible studies. You know what I'm saying? Um, I remember men's ministry, right? Back in the day, <laughs> I started a men's ministry... And I think there was about 10 guys in the, in the ministry group. And some of the guys that weren't in it were like, rah, like, well, go on. How comes we're not invited to the, to the group? And in my mind, I can't lie. I can say it now, right? It's a long time ago. In my heart, I'm thinking, wait a minute. I'm like, do you know what it takes to open your house, to provide food? You know what I'm saying? Um, all hours of the night when people, ugh, I nearly mentioned some names, where people want to stay till midnight. <laughs> oh, yeah, let's have a bit more fellowship. And you're like, and this group want me to, and, and you know what, God is good because my response was cool. And we started another group and literally we had one men's group one week and another men's group the next week and then the same group. And, and, and we did that for ages with the hope that, and I cried out to the guys. I'm sorry, I don't even know if some of you guys remember, some of you are in this room. I was like, I was like, I was like please fellas, the, the requirement like, is that you if you're coming here, that you will open your house and, or, or you will start, you will facilitate Another men's group. The guys are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Urgh, you know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> what can I say? Mark actually did that. And he started a men's group in his house. And it was, oh my gosh, ram, pat, jam. You know what I'm saying? Such a blessing for a number of years. And, and, and Tabitha, now this wasn't highly publicized. But over the years, Tabitha's discipled like, Women that probably some of you have never even met. And I'm saying, because not only was it ladies in, in, in our church that she discipled, but it was ladies outside. And I'm saying, and, and um, so many areas where they contributed and partnered, and I'm saying, with, with us as a church, but with the Lord in gospel ministry. And, and that's not even to mention the missions trips that we did, you know what I'm saying, to Jamaica and so on. From the first day until now. <clears throat> From the first day until now. Act 16 is when this church in Philippi started by God's grace and it continued. 
talking about the very first day, I remember, I, I'm really making them feel uncomfortable now. I remember when I first met Mark and Tavis. Like Paul talks about from the very first day. I remember the very first, when I tell you I remember it like I'm standing here. Let me take you back. Me and, this is what murders my messages, you know, to the point where you're like, what was the message about again? <laughs> me and Pastor E, before we were pastors, I'm going back, I'm not so good with dates, like we said, right? It was, it was either, the, it was, I think it was the late 90s, or early 2000. It was 2000. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, brother. <laughs> Look at that, jeez. Easter 2000. I remember me and Pastor E, Actually, there were two occasions. Me, Pastor E, and Pastor P, when we weren't pastors, went to Micah, which is opposite the Sainsbury's in New Cross. They meet in Haberdashers School. We went there. I think they're still there, right? We went there to do some music and to do some workshops. Because back in them days, we thought we was cutting edge, doing this, rapping, <laughs> doing this rapping thing. We were doing workshops. And Micah, it, <laughs> we were cutting edge. <laughs> flashbacks from the past golden oldies that's what we are and um so Micah were like yeah this sounds great come do some workshops and we went down to music workshops blah 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 back in them days this is showing you how far I'm taking it back Pastor P used to do poetry we used to call it flowetry you know what I'm saying where he was like I was an all-night dance all-week raver I had the digits in the book, not beanies, a playboy, the original womanizer. That's his bars, that's his lyrics, trust me. That's how far back right we go. And we was there doing that. And then another time in the service, it might have been the same week, this, during the service, after announcements or during the announcements before the preaching, they had me and Pastor E come up to do some music. And them days, trust me, it, this is, we had baggy jeans them days, big old oversized double triple X t-shirts, Baseball caps that were curved as opposed to the flat ones. We went to Philly and we saw people walk around with flat baseball caps in the early 2004. How stupid is that? Man walking around with flat peak baseball cap. I would never do that. Just like when we, them, them days we used to wear baggy jeans and, we, and I said, I used to see men walking around in drain pipes. I was like, man, we're in skinny jeans. I would never wear them skinny jeans. I nearly put my skinny jeans on today, apart from the fact that I'm going to be 50 next year and I'm just, I'm trying to keep it real. Maybe if I lose a bit of weight, maybe I'll start rocking them. But I'm I've got 10 minutes to go. <laughs> we're there, and we're doing our music the way we did in our Timberland boots. And, we, and over, literally, in the same place, guys, tell me if I'm lying, in the same, roughly in the same, we're on the stage, I was this side, Pastor Eve was that, in the same place, in my car, in the building, Mark and Tabitha were sitting over there. Never knew them. And then after, this, after the music and after the service, I don't, I don't know if it was we made a beeline over there or somehow we connected and we had a bit of a chat. And um, there are only a few probably moments in my life where I can remember this. I think one of them was with my... Well, let me not mention any names, in it, but there are a few people that I remember specifically. Some of them are in the room that I remember specifically when I met them. You know what I mean? And that was one occasion... And I can honestly say, just like Paul, your partnership with us, even on a personal level, my partnership with you in the gospel, I remember it with joy. And I remember it from the very first day until now. And like Paul, as I reflect, as I remember that, I do so with great thanksgiving. Great gratitude for God's good and continued work. That's our first point. <clears throat> On to our second point, which is verse 6. Did someone say amen? Oh my God. <laughs> the second point. First point is gratitude for God's good work. Verse 3 to 5. The second point, my final point, is the future development of God's good work. Verse 6. Listen to what Paul says. He says, and I am what? I'm sure. I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Let's talk about the development 
of God's good work. Now notice this work. <laughs> what type of work? Thank you, Missy. Good work. That's how Paul describes it. You know what I'm saying? Initiated by who? Begun by God. Thank you, Bertrand. Where? In you. Obviously, in its Sitzenleben, that is in its context, he's speaking to these Christians in Philippi, but how many of you know this is true for us? It's to them, but it's for us. Right? Now, this sounds to me, this whole business about work, but good work, begun by God in you, right? This sounds like a bit of a construction job. Turn around and tell your neighbour, I'm a project. <laughs> Some of us don't want to admit to that. It's all right. That show, that proves that you are a project. Amen? I know I'm a project. Hey, I ain't got no one to turn to. But it stands to reason. I'm a project. It's work, but it's good work. At least from God's point of view. Can you see that? <laughs> from the person that's sitting next to you, not looking at nobody. And I'm saying they might be like, well, I'm not sure that it's a, it's a good work. No, that's a joke. <laughs> but whatever from them, or me, or you to me, you know what I'm saying? From God's point of view, it's a good work. It's a good work. And it's not like, you know that plumbing job, fellas? That plumbing job that you start early in the morning and you think, yeah, size it up. I'm like, mm. Kind of wife's been talking to you about getting this thing done and I, I speak for myself. For a year, Helen said to me, Robert, please, honey, please, can you change the kitchen sink? Because it was dripping underneath and it soaked the, the, the cabinet and you know what happens when chipboard gets wet. She said, honey, please, please, would you change the kitchen sink? Now, initially, I was like, yeah, man, that's a minor. Yeah, no problem. Six months later, the kitchen sink ain't done. A year later, the kitchen sink ain't done. And this is me now looking at this thing thinking, wait a minute. This is some big job, you know. <laughs> Got to pull out the sink and then to pull out the cupboard. It's a fitted kitchen. Why am I going to do that? And if you know me, I'm a man, I try to do everything in my house like I can do. But when it comes to electricity, major electricity, and plumbing, I don't really too too fool around it, but I thought I could do it. You know when you make them plans and you're like, yep, yeah, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to get the parts, I'm going to do this, and you start the job in the morning. It's a minor, I'll, I'll be able to... Three o'clock, I'll be able to pick up the kids from school. I'll be able to do da da It's got a meeting in the evening. Cool, man, no problem. Four hours, I'm going to get this thing done. And then eight o'clock in the evening, you're still there looking at the thing thinking. And this is after six trips back and forth to B&Q to get, <laughs> to get this because you forgot that. You know what I'm saying? And then you have to call a real plumber, a professional, in to finish the job, which is what I had to do. And they came and they dealt with the thing. Um, thank the Lord, Helen's got a new kitchen sink. She's not here today because we've got a family thing and it started at 12, so they're all with the, at this family birthday thing. But if she was here, she would say, Amen. <laughs> now, that job that we can all laugh about and identify with, that is nothing compared to you. And the job that you and I are to God. Yet, <clears throat> God sees it as a good work, and it's the one that he will complete. Salvation, how many of you know, isn't the immediate end of something. It is the end of something, but it is also the beginning and the middle of something that is progressive. It's a process. How many of you know that we are saved, we're being saved, and we're yet to be totally saved? 1 Corinthians 15 says, Now I would remind you, brothers and sisters, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved. See that? It's a process. If you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. 
hopefully we can all testify to God's work of sanctification in our lives. That is God's progressive transformation in our lives. You hear me say it all the time. I'm not the man that I ought to be. But I thank God that I'm not the man that I used to be. Right? And I like how Vody Bochum puts it so beautifully. He takes it to another level. Listen to this. He says, he says, better today than yesterday. More tomorrow than today. Unlike us, when God starts something, how many of you know he finishes it? Whether it's creation, so beautiful. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were finished. And all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done. And then you think about Jesus on the cross. When Jesus gave up his spirit on the cross. The work of salvation was complete. And he said what? It is finished. And what a work that was. Accomplishing our perfect rescue package. When Jesus went to the cross. Now, salvation, that's in a general sense. Um, But God is committed not just to saving those who he, he chooses, but God is also committed not just to the corporate group that he's going to save, but he's also committed to us personally and privately. Listen to this Old Testament reference to Israel, God's covenant people collectively but also individually. It says in Psalm 138 verse 8, the Lord will perfect that which concerns me. You see the person, the, the personal pronoun? Your mercy, O Lord, endures forever. Isaiah 49, verse 15 and 16, the Lord says of his people, he says, can a mother forget the baby at her breast? And have no compassion on the child that she has born. And there are ladies right here like and dads holding babies. Could you ever forget your child? And obviously there are exceptions when those that do. But generally speaking, you couldn't. And God says, look, though she may forget, because it happens sometimes. He says, I will not forget. See, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands. Is that, is that an argument for tattoos? I don't know. Verse 6 says, Paul says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Listen to Jude 24, and we're nearly done. It says, now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you how? You do feel blameless, even as you're sitting there now, you think about the things that you've done. You think about the mistakes that you've made. I think about the mistakes I've made when I dropped the ball so horribly. But yet God, thankfully, doesn't judge us on the basis of our own good works. If we've put our trust in Christ and that work that he did for us on the cross. But he's able to present us blameless before the presence of his glory. How? Not just with joy, you know. But with great joy. When God saved you, he began a process that will be fully accomplished. It must also stand to reason that any work that he does through you will also be accomplished. It will also be completed. Maybe not by you, but eventually through the work of others. God's perfect purposes will not go unfinished. So that is God's work in you, but also God's work through you. And just like the work in Philippi, we can trust that God's good work, it will continue. Here at Ecclesia, in central Lewisham, and beyond to places like New Life Roehampton, where we're going to hear next week, where Brent and Temi are going to be going. But also at Mary Magdalene in Rotherhive. And hopefully even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Amen.
Join us next time for more of God's truth to transform your reality.